The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Get a look at Stephanie Gilmore. Racks one off the top. Beautiful snap right there. Off the bottom snap. Oh, goes for the float, does it? Nice. Surfing's first event of 2020 was supposed to be happening round about now. But surfing, along with pretty much the rest of the sporting world, is on pause due to COVID-19. Most athletes continue to train, but life is, well, different. The podcast continues though, and this week we have one of the world's best surfers. Stephanie Gilmore is a seven-time world champion and is set to represent Australia at the Olympics in 2021. She spoke to Ashley Tullock before all the coronavirus situation became so serious. We talked about fighting for gender equality, how she maintained her winning smile, and how she recovered from a physical attack in her home in 2010 but they started off chatting about the real reason why Steph surfs every day. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. Well, first and foremost, I love surfing. <laughs> you just go through different stages throughout your career where in the beginning it's, you know, all I want to do is surf and that's all I care about. And you don't really think about the other levels um, and the other elements of being a professional, professional athlete and what that means. You just kind of do it. And then, you know, you have all the requests to do the interviews and do all the work stuff and you're just like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I'll just do it. And and then it's as time goes on, you start to realize, well, I don't really want to do this. I think I can spend my time more wisely. So you kind of have a moment where you think, oh, you know, I'm not really into this. Why am I doing this? And then you get to another stage where you start to realize, but this is the part that is almost as rewarding as winning because these are the moments where you can give back, where you can actually tell your story um, that helps build a legacy that can inspire others. Um, you know, these are the moments where you start to realize that, yes, winning is wonderful and I love it. And I love holding the trophy and I'm compet competitive as hell. Like I, it doesn't matter what event I'm in, even if I'm playing table tennis with a young friend, I still don't want to let them win, but, um, but they, yeah, that comes a certain point. And in my career, I feel like in the last few years, I've reached that moment where uh, it's about doing something that's bigger than myself and, and being able to use this platform to do that and use these opportunities to do something where, yes, I, I still want to win, but how can I use it to actually yeah, make a difference in the world or do something that actually has uh, a ripple effect that goes on to something much bigger and better. So for myself in surfing more recently, it's been, you know, really trying to um, work with the WSL to get equal prize pay for the men and women, um, getting us back to locations for events for the women where we're in world-class waves. Um, we're getting, we're actually surfing the events alongside the men. So they're running men's quarters, women's quarters, men's semis, women's, and on, all the way up to the finals. So the audience is tuned in the entire time and they're getting to experience female surfing in its best form. And we're also getting, you know, the eyeballs on the sports. So the sport will grow. That's how you make these, these things bigger and better. Um, and so I think that, yeah, having these moments and, Throughout my career, I feel like I found that these are the most rewarding. 
and I've realised that that's really why I do this. At the end of the day, I just love surfing and I love performing and all of that. And I understand that to be able to, I don't know, to be like a complete package, to really be a champion and a leader, you have to do all this stuff. It's a part of the show. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of having a good perspective of things. And I think that's why um, I'm able to realise that, yeah, that's why I get up and do this stuff. That's why I, I now go from like, oh, I don't really want to do this to this is great. I do want to tell my story. I do want to – I was that young girl once that watched a video of my favourite surfer telling me about how she got inspired to do something and that clicked for me. So maybe it can click for someone else. And we haven't seen any rights all day, but leave it to Stephanie Gilmore to find the magic. Again, straight up in the lift. Gilmore now in attack mode. Another big whipping car for Stephanie Gilmore. You are a hero <laughs> to other little girls. I mean, does that, you've been doing this, don't take this the wrong way, but you have been doing this time. for a long time. No, I know, totally. <laughs> My whole adult life I've been on tour. <laughs> but um, it's cool to be recognised as an idol to young girls. I think that, um, I don't know, I've just always been comfortable with it. I've never felt, I've never taken it as like a pressure because I'm just genuinely myself. Like I don't feel like I need to change to be, um, you know, the professional version of myself. I think I've always kind of stayed pretty much, you know, professionally and authentically myself, um, even behind closed doors. I think a lot of people that know me sort of see that I'm kind of the same person, you know, whether I'm, uh, competing or not, I like to, you know, take pride and take care in what I do. And, and that's always a, a question that I get a lot, like, how's the pressure of being a role model? And is it intense? And, and I just have never taken it that way. I mean, it is about the perspective knowing that, yes, there are parts of this world and this job as an athlete where there's more to it. There's a lot more to it than just going surfing. And I've realized that from a young age. So I'm not afraid of it. You know, I just kind of am myself and, um, and I think there's something, something happens when you turn 30 where you just kind of go, this is me and unapolog unapologetically I can be myself and not be worried about like trying to be something that I'm not. And, um, yeah, it's a really nice feeling to have. And, uh, and I think young girls resonate with that to, to really, yeah, to just like be yourself. I think they connect to that cause they're like searching for, or. Oh, Am I supposed to look like this? Am I supposed to look like that? Am I supposed to act like this? What is it? I don't know who I am. And then, um, yeah, to see someone who really is just themselves, I think that's really important. Somebody like Rihanna, for instance, I love her because she does that, you know. She's just kind of, you know, throws around a few profanities and it's like this is me and I don't care what you think. And in that fashion world that must be really hard. But, um, yeah, she's amazing. So... Uh, I think Serena, Serena Williams does that really well too. And she's like, this is me. I don't care what you think. This is my journey. I worked so hard to get here and this is how I'm going to do it. So whether she's, you know, expressing her emotions on court and people disagree with it, whether she's leading a charge for gender equality, whatever it is, she just does it the way she wants to do it. And I think that's really, really special. And that empowers me to do the same thing. I think if you're capable of maintaining that genuine sort of you yeah. 
through your personal life and your professional life. I mean, it's difficult because you're kind of giving a bit of yourself away, aren't you? And that can be hard too because as a sports person, there's like this fine line where you're dancing between holding those secrets, holding those cards close to your heart and sort of not letting people in um, because that's your edge, not letting people know who you are. But also at the same time, that's kind of where the magic happens is letting people in and, and that's where people can actually um, learn more about who you are and, you know, become your fan or not become your fan, whatever. It helps them make a decision whether they like you or not, <laughs> which is kind of nice. <laughs> How do you cope? How do you balance everything you need to do to be, I guess, okay? Mm -hmm. you know, to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I can put a lot of my uh, confidence and comfort and balance in my life down to um, probably my parents and my family life. Like my mum and dad are just the coolest. They still are like so supportive. You know, they're still together. They live in the same house we grew up in. They just like dad is the biggest surf fanatic ever. Like he just surfs more than anyone you've ever met. And he's 65 years old. Um, and my mum is, you know, she's so open and non-judgmental and just very, um, but very by the book too. You know, she's quite conservative and, and just she was a school teacher. So it was all about working hard and getting your homework done and, and ticking all the boxes and doing the things you need to do. Um, you know, to to feel good and feel um, like you've achieved something in your day. And I think it's just a really nice balance because dad's kind of like the creative hippie surf dude and and mum was a little more, um, you know, strict in that sense. And I think it's just been a really nice balance home life. And for them to kind of, I don't know, even the little things like, yes, they come to contests, but say if I lost or... I don't know, maybe I'd ding my surfboard and dad would always put a positive spin on it. Like, oh, well, your board will go faster now. Um, oh, you lost. Oh, that's all right. Like, what can you learn from that? And we'll go to the next event and, and go from there. And they've just always been so, um, yeah, so supportive. And, and even now I can barely get them to the contest because I'm like, come on. And if they come to the contest site, they, they won't even come and hang out in the athlete area because they're like, oh, no, no, we'll let you do your thing. And, and they just, I think they just understand that they kind of helped me to flourish in this way that, um, and supported me in such a way that was never, they never pushed it on myself or even my sisters. If it was something that we loved, they could see that and they would support it. I mean, we played hockey, soccer, athletics, um, dancing. I did everything, but uh, and mum and dad were driving us to hockey and, you know, they were doing everything that they could to um, give us the best opportunity to excel in something. But, um, yeah, it was never forced upon us. It was just like I think they waited until they could see that we really, truly loved something and then they were like, okay, if that's what you want to do, then we're here to support. And by, mo by no means were we, like, super wealthy or anything. So they sacrificed a lot of things to have my sisters and I, you know, live such an awesome life. And uh, I do put a lot of my success and, and able to be balanced in my life down to that because I've just, you know, it's, I don't know, I've just always had this idea of, or just a feeling that it's okay, even if things aren't going your way, it'll still be okay. Um, and also like, it's just interesting, you know, you, 
the moments of like challenges or where you you've lost a big event or whatever I just always look at it like oh that's kind of funny you know the fact that we're like getting paid to go surfing and it's like this big deal I just kind of yeah it's just perspective we're all pieces of like dust particles floating across the earth so I've never been able to take things too seriously um but at the same time I know how much it does mean to me so I can switch it on when I need to and um and just the importance of balance, you know. I've found like through my travels how incredible it is that I have this opportunity to travel the world and to see all of these cool places and meet all of these wonderful people and to, um, yeah, to, to kind of like grab those opportunities when you can. And it's just like so important to do that because I don't want to get to the end of my career and, and be like, well, I went to France 35 times and I never went to Paris. It's sort of like... I would hate to to miss those opportunities and um so yeah it's kind of just making sure I'm enjoying myself which I do a lot I probably enjoy myself too much you know sometimes I win contests and I'm like that should be illegal how much fun I had throughout that event and was still able to win it should be illegal <laughs> looking for the cheer time it's a beautiful little corner oh yeah it comes out nice and clean and you know I smile a lot I think it it's just one of those things, um, and people pick up on that too, you know, when people are enjoying themselves and they, um, I've just always felt such a, a great energy from people when I can share what I have with them. And I think a lot of people get that through my surfing, you know, they watch my surfing and they're like, oh, that just made me so happy to watch you surf. And I think that that's obviously something that I've recognized as a, a special talent and, and I want to, um, yeah, to be able to like share that with the world and and this this event, this the Olympics, whatever it is, this is my platform to kind of be able to do that. Talked about your parents, mm. and you talked about your mum and your sisters, um, athletes and people who work in sort of high profile, busy jobs that always are so focused on their jobs. Uh, sometimes they end up having families and children and, and things like that later in life. Um, can I ask you, is motherhood something that you? would like to do have at some point or um I don't know I've kind of never really uh you know it's never been a dream of mine to have kids even to get married you know I never even really imagined myself doing those things I'm open to it for sure um and I've had moments in relationships you know where I'm so madly in love with a guy that I'm like oh my god yes let's do it but then I'm kind of you know it doesn't happen and I'm like oh actually maybe that's not for me I'm pretty I feel like I kind of shift around a lot in my thought processes about those things my feelings about those things but um but yeah it's an interesting topic for women for female athletes to know you know do you do it young and get out of the way or do you just like wait till the end of your career if I wait till the end of my career who knows I could be 55 that's scary uh, but it's, yeah, they're all interesting things to think about. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not stressed about it though. I think that's the thing. I think it'll happen when it happens. And if it doesn't, I'm also not, um, I think there's so many other wonderful things I can do in my life that, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It doesn't, yeah, it's not something I strive for, but it's also I'm not afraid of it if it does happen but it's also um yeah I don't know 
No, you've got a lot of like awesome things in your life to <laughs> yeah. celebrate, you know. But also being yeah. an athlete, you know, I'm very selfish. I'm very selfish. <laughs> so I think you can admit that. Oh, 100%. And I think about that a lot. You know, people are like, you're so giving with your time and this and that. But I'm like, I am, but I'm not. And I think I recognized that from a long time ago that um, to win, <laughs> you got to be selfish. You don't have to be, but a big part of it is, is uh yeah, being pretty, pretty involved in yourself. <laughs> and so, yeah, that would be hard to give up. Let's go. Let's go. Steph Gilmore, down card, sets up the whitewater, perfect vertical off the top, jams it off the lip again. Wide open face, so just snap to slide. You know, something that definitely humans learn from is uh, loss or pain or um, trauma. Yep. So you probably know where I'm going. Back to 2010, um, you're, I mean, people probably look at you and, you know, you've got this nickname Happy Gilmore and you've won seven world titles, but there's, there's been lots of hardships and challenges along the way that people probably don't know about. Um, I just wondered if you could sort of touch on, you know, what happened in 2010 yeah. um, and how that has, I guess, well, how you dealt with that to allow you to still be happy Gilmore and be successful. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I feel like I've sort of spoken about it so much that people are like, oh, yeah, I knew about that, whatever. Uh, but no, it's true. It still gets brought up. You know, um, people still will write to me and say, oh, I had no idea that that happened to you. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, there was an incident in 2010 where I uh, was attacked by a homeless guy. You know, I think he was deranged and um, not in his right mind. Uh, so I was left with, I had like, well, yeah, he hit me over the head with a crowbar or something. So I had stitches in my head and like a broken wrist. And yeah, it was, I would say wrong place, wrong time, but I kind of don't believe in that in life. I think that you sort of always are in the right place at the right time for whatever moment that that is. You just have to learn from it in some way or it's a, you know, a lesson or, um, yeah. So it was a traumatic experience, don't get me wrong. Like I, I definitely have learned to like kind of brush it off, um, but that's probably because I've dealt with it and been through it. But, um, yeah, I think the hardest part was because I'd, won four world titles back to back. I didn't know what losing was like, you know. It was funny because people were like, oh, you know, what's a different, what's your favourite world title? And I was like, well, I don't know, they're all, they're all great, but I, I, have, I haven't lost yet, so I don't know how to kind of judge one from another. And to kind of lose that uh, winning streak due to something that was out of my control seemed, you know, like such a bummer. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't win the, the title next year. And, and it, um, yeah, it was kind of the first moment of my life where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I can't trust my intuition. I'm, you know, my confidence is missing. Like all these things that, you know, I don't feel safe at home. It happened at home, you know. And it was kind of like a, a moment where I just, yeah, it was a, the first really tough moment in my life. And I just had to figure it out. I was like, okay, well, you're still alive. Everything still works. Yes, you're injured, but things heal. Um, and, yeah, just it was actually quite nice to kind of, I mean, horrible, but but quite nice to, to really stop and think about, like, 
things and what I wanted to do and how I felt about trauma. And, um, you know, it was funny that the first moment that I thought after it happened, I was kind of like, and this is kind of crazy, but I remember thinking, wow, this is, um, I'm glad it was me and not somebody else. Like I kind of thought instantly about maybe there was an old lady that lived next door or like, you know, somebody else around. And I remember thinking, oh, it's probably good that it was me because I'm big and strong and like I can handle this. And so I remember t saying that to the, um, the psychologist or the, you know, whoever you talk to after traumatic experience. And I think they just kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, well, I think you're okay. You don't need to come back. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was very jumpy for a few years after that. And it was, yeah, it took time for sure. And I was like frustrated because I was in a rush to like get back to surfing and, and find it all again. But, um, it was, yeah, I think just the moment of like letting go and letting things just kind of happen and take time to heal. Um, that sucked for sure. But it, it also made me realize that you know, you can't go back in time and change things. So why, why do you want to sort of stay there and dwell on it if you can't change it? So just work towards moving forward and like, yeah, healing, yeah. Now your seven time WSL champion, Stephanie Gilmore. Winning after that gave so much more value to winning things because I had to work through something. I had to like climb over, climb out of the mud and I'd never experienced that before. I was so just like, oh yeah, winning's great and like easy, whatever. It's like, this is so fun. I just pal out and smile and win and yeah, I worked hard of course, but it just felt so natural to win. And then when it wasn't so natural to win and I had to like really work hard to make it happen, uh, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this is what athletes, this is what humans go through every single day. doesn't matter what they're doing, whether they're athletes, whether they're not, whether they're just people living their everyday lives and they go through um, hardships all the time. And it's so interesting to think of how we each handle it differently or, um, you know, some people don't handle it and, you know, they really struggle through it. So, um yeah, but that definitely gave me, like, after winning a world title a couple of years later after that, I was like, okay, this is the greatest win ever because I had to really persevere through something. Wants that world title so badly as we see Gilmore up again. So using priority for this one, setting up on the inside, an amazing read. She comes through. What an effort and a huge end section turn. Pay equality. Uh, it was such a big thing that not everyone's been talking about it, you know, and you look at the women's football team in the States, like people are fighting so hard to be, um, women are fighting so hard to be on sports uh, management teams and to be in boardrooms and, you know, what you were able to help be a part of was is incredible. So how have you, other than financially, how have you noticed the difference um, with that this year? There were so many other changes, positive changes that the WSL had made um, pre the actual equal prize pay that were gonna go unnoticed um, until the equal prize pay was announced. You know, like they, 
I think one of the major things was having the um, the priority at events. Like we show up at a contest, we show up every morning, early in the morning, and they make a decision as to who will surf in the conditions that day, whether it's men or women. And in the past, for probably 80% of my career, it was very much so like, okay, the waves are firing, the men are on. And they had this priority over us because there was more of them, they surf better, you know, whatever reasons. Um, and yeah, recently, since it became the WSL, they decided to really make sure there was a balance in that. And of course, yes, the women get to surf some bad waves. The men have to surf some bad waves too. It's just the nature of working with the ocean. Um, but it has been a lot more, um, there's been a lot more focus on getting the women in good waves and, uh, and watching us perform well. And, and now it's funny because actually at the event in Bali, um, we had the men and women, yeah, we had the men and women surfing together all the way through to the finals day. And on the finals day, it was a really great moment because not only because I won, but it was sort of like I got a 10 point ride in the final and the women's were run before the men. And it, there was so much hype and excitement about this wave that I got um, because it kind of outshone what any of the guys had done in the finals on that day. And it was such a moment for me personally because it was sort of like it justified the equal prize pay, you know? It was weirder. It was kind of like, yes, we announced equal prize pay and and it was an incredibly uh, profound moment for our sport and for female athletes all around the world. Um, but it sort of had this, I was, I still felt like I had to uh, earn it or like justify to people why we need to have equality, which is super crazy. Like it should just be normal. But yeah, and that moment in Bali um, and all of the coverage that that wave got in all of the comments and yeah, just the responses from people that were like exactly why equal prize pay is should be normal because here is you know the men and the women competing in the same conditions and um and the women ouch on the men so <laughs> it was it was just a, a great moment but other than that you know i think the the other main changes would be probably um companies that want to work with surfing you know our non-endemic brands that have come in and they're like yeah we want to be a part of a sport that are setting the standard for equality that are setting setting the standard for what should be normal and and leading the charge to kind of uh, encourage other industries and sports around the world to do the same thing but just on a broader scale is there any other areas that you think kind of need attention or is there anything that you think i'd really i think it'd be nice if they sort of focused on that next <laughs> mm -hmm. um i mean there's there's always things to work on of course uh i think that yeah i mean i guess growing the numbers of the women on tour that's probably um that's another step but i also think that surfing is quite difficult because we're dealing with the ocean they should almost lessen the number of men um, and make it equal with the women in that sense. So then we can finish uh, a world tour event in a you know faster fashion. <laughs> so we're both getting great waves. You know, yeah. currently there's sort of a lot of time of surfing it takes four days to or even five days to run uh, an event. And so, but yeah, they're they're working on different um, formats and doing like overlapping heats and things like that. 
Um, it's becoming a lot more interactive with the fans uh, in terms of, you know, having the fantasy surfers and lots of like on the website you're actually choosing who you think will win the heat and actually, you know, maybe scoring waves or um, things like that that I think will really grow the audience. Um, and, yeah, just kind of I think telling the stories of the surfers on primetime uh, channels, you know, and getting the stories out there because they are some of the greatest athletes in the world. Uh, there's not many sports where they, the court changes every single day. So to be able to master something like that um, is pretty spectacular. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, I mean, other than that, they're doing, they're making so many changes and they are working with the surfers. Most importantly, they're working and communicating with the surfers to make sure that Yes, we need to commercialize the sport to get it to a, a you know on a grander scale and to make it a financially viable business, but we need to also stay true to what the surfers' needs are. Um, and so yeah, the WSL are working really hard to make sure we have that balance, and um, and that's important. In terms of the Olympics, your inspiration, anyone that stands out for you? I know you've mentioned Kathy Freeman before. Tell me a bit about, I guess, her and um, I think you've met her since we last spoke. Yeah, Kathy Freeman, uh, she, an idol, Australian icon. Um, she won the gold medal in the year 2000 Sydney Olympics um, in the 400 metres. On your marks. You know, as a, a young girl, I was 12 at the time, and I remember watching that. And, and when I was 12, I was into surfing, but I, I wasn't completely sold on it. You know, I was still doing all these other sports. And I remember at school, I was right into discus and javelin and these sports that um, are in the Olympics. Well, were in the Olympics at that time. So I was thinking, oh, I'd love to go to the Olympics and, and do that. And I remember watching her in her suit She's a full lycra suit, you know, right down, gloves, even I think it, it was strapped around her thumb too. It was um, She was a, a superhero, like something out of a comic book. And I just couldn't believe, like, I guess I wasn't paying too much attention to the newspapers and all that sort of stuff because you're a young kid and it's like whatever. But thinking about it now, I can't imagine all the press and the pressure on her to go out there and win. Um but yeah, to see that and to see her win was just the greatest sporting moment I'd seen in my life. And uh, so she, yeah, we actually, Surfing Australia got her to come along to a camp that we had, a pre-Olympic camp. And she, um, yeah, she was so open and honest and warm and funny. And she kind of sat down with all of the surfing athletes and just told us stories about that moment and how she was able to create this uh sacred space before you know as she was walking out onto the onto the track to run and it was just incredible to hear that from her first hand you know it was really emotional actually like we were all sitting there I had goosebumps and was like this is so cool and crazy and uh and it really yeah it gave us a taste of like what that Olympic life is like you know to kind of have four years of just dedicating every minute of your time to training and whatever, and then showing up on the day and being like, okay, now's your time to shine. Don't crack under pressure. <laughs> it's a, 
it must be a really wild experience. So, um, so yeah, to spend that time with her and it really let it sink in the, you know, the impact that she had on, on my life and, and how cool that was. And then since then, I would say Usain Bolt. Watching Usain Bolt run across the finish line, like looking at the camera with a smile on his face. Is that just not the coolest thing you've ever seen? He's just, yeah, I'm the best in the world. I'm going to smile and dance across as I go. And I was watching that was like, that's how I want to win the Olympics. (laughs) Olympic Channel Podcast. Big thanks to the WSL, Stephanie, and also Ashley Tullock. Steph's Instagram is an actual work of art. If you want to follow her, she is just Stephanie Gilmore on Insta. Ash is Ash underscore Ash is Ash underscore Tullock on Twitter. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. Stay up to date with all things podcast and much, much more by following at Olympic Channel across all social channels too. We were lucky to welcome the greatest surfer of all time, Kelly Slater, to the podcast just before Christmas. Here's a clip from that one. I found out I was totally broken in debt, actually, and then my relationship fell apart and I almost fell off the tour that year. And so I just went, okay, I'm going to get this thing together and <clears throat> and uh, see how far I can go with it. And so I, I had to, that was where I went five years in a row winning world titles. Um but there, I felt like there was something literally like otherworldly that I, I couldn't have predicted would have happened that made that all um, gel uh, in the right way. There's a link in the episode description for that too. Give the podcast a five-star review on the podcast app. That would be very nice indeed. Write a little review. A little goes a long way. Okay, that's it for now though. See you very soon. Think, Think like an Olympian. Olympian.